0: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. Kind of a return to our original format. Uh, a bit of an easier week only having to really digest one album. Chris, my friend, how are you and how are you feeling?
1: Uh, a little under the weather, but uh, we power on and, uh, you know, it, it's all good. Uh, just a little summer cold. Hopefully, should be gone in a couple of days. But I'm uh, you know, hoping the worst of it is over.
0: Yeah, I, 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 uh, I know you've been kind of suffering this week, so I'm, I'm glad you're able to join us. I'm glad we're going to be able to get this out on time. Uh, for our Patreon members, earlier this week we released an episode that will be dropping in the main feed next Monday, and that is an interview with Prog Power USA's Milton Mendonca, who has been um, booking or promoting a number of, of Prog Powers now in conjunction with Glenn uh, Harvison, who is you know he it's funny because for a lot of people think that those thursday lineups are every bit as good as the friday and saturday lineups and this year is no different with beast and black and vola and it's a we had an interesting conversation where we talk about how all that stuff kind of came together this year and we talk about some of the past lineups and even kind of delve a little bit into the future and what his future might hold as promoter. So it's a, it's an interesting listen. And if, uh, if you can't wait, please consider joining our Patreon. Otherwise uh, the episode will hit the main feed a week from today.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to
2: wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
1: That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a really great uh, chat with Milton, and um, I, I think it's it, like you said. There is a lot of great insights in, uh, you know, how they prepare for the festival and, and uh, things of that nature, and, and how the bands were chosen and things like that. So it was uh, it was good. I, I I enjoyed it a lot, and uh, you know, like you said, the, the Patreon people got to uh, an early uh, an early listen to it. Um, which is, is kind of, uh, something we like to do as soon as the episodes are completed. we get them out to the, to the patrons and, uh, this was no different. Uh, so we're kind of recording a little bit out of order. Uh, but, um, I'll just have to remember to put in the right, uh, episode number when I edit (laughs) edit the video version of the podcast. I I got the Milton episode, right? So I just have to remember to dial it backwards. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I'm with you, and obviously I appreciate that. Um sh- should be interesting, and, and obviously this week we are actually covering one of his quote-unquote bands uh, with the halo effect, but before we get there, have you had a chance to listen to anything new? Um, I feel like it's been a while since you and I at least have talked about new music or stuff we've been listening to.
1: Yeah, you know, it's uh, the first couple of days where I wasn't feeling well, I had mentioned to you. I couldn't even listen to music because my ears were like so clogged that one it sounded like one had like a headphone on that was louder than the other. And I was like, I can't, I just can't listen to music this way. You should have put like, Emperor
0: back on. It might have sounded good to your ears.
1: Yeah, I guess. Or or, or maybe worse somehow. Um, hmm. But uh, yesterday I was able to kind of jump back into... Catching up on some stuff, uh, I finally got to listen to the new Mystic Prophecy album, Hell Riot, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, I really enjoy the the vocals because I feel like they're really uh, unique. Um, they're they're very like um, they're they're very like forceful, um, but also very clear, um, powerful so, vocals, for yeah. Sure. And it's just like really high energy, uh, crunchy power metal. So um, good good stuff there. Um, I, uh, I finally got to listen to the supersonic revolution golden age of music, which was, a R and side project, which, um, I, it didn't grab me on first listen. I'm going to have to go back to that. Um, it, uh, I don't know if I was just not in the right headspace, uh, but, um, not bad. Uh, pretty cool. Um, if you, it's kind of a, a throwback to kind of a like seventies rock scene. Um, I also listened to his new Sleep Token album, which, uh, I know you were looking forward to hearing my thoughts on, on it. Um, it's never going to be my, my thing, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was hmm. good. I think that the, um, the overhype surrounding their previous album might've made it like impossible for me to, to just get into, but I feel like this, this, uh, worked with me a little bit better. Um,
0: I think this one is a little more palatable because the songs aren't as... I don't want to say droney, but the middle portion of that last album is a little... Well, it's actually a lot inaccessible, but this I think is a little more geared towards the radio. Not that these songs are all going to be, you know, top forty hits or anything like that. But there's there's really no down period on the album, um, which didn't bother me. But I could understand why somebody who's driven to those melodies would be turned off by the last release. But this I think is a little more um, substantial all the way through.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely go back to it. But I I liked it more than I thought I would. I started listening to the new metal church album, and I kind of liked it. Actually, I listened. I got through the first uh, three tracks before I got um, pulled away. Uh, so I'll be going back to that. Um, I'm not like super familiar with their old stuff, so the fact that their um, their singer who passed away isn't on the album anymore isn't really a, a deterrent for me. Um, so I will. Um, I'll go back to that. But uh, still on the list, I still have to get to, to a few more things, but um, I did kind of skip ahead because there were two albums that came out uh, this week that um, were really interesting, uh, one of which you brought to my attention. I didn't even know this was recorded or in pla- like was planned or anything, but uh, Timo Tolkien released a acoustic album called Renaissance Acoustica, Um and it's all just these acoustic uh, renditions of, of past songs that yeah. he had written, mostly from Stradivarius, but also there's a handful of tracks from his uh, solo material, um, has the great Alessandro Conti on vocals, and then he threw on uh, three bonus tracks at the end from previous albums. Um Key to the Universe, which had Michael Kisk on vocals, Are You the One, which had uh, Sharon Denadel from Within Temptation, and uh, Lord of the Rings, which I believe was a instrumental song from his first solo album, which we actually had mentioned when we talked to Ralph in our bonus episode about the, uh, the, the vaunted mixtape. Um, but really cool versions of just these songs, um, the, the Stradivarius songs in particular, uh, Winter, Coming Home, Celestial Dream, Before the Winter, 4,000 Rainy Nights, and Forever, which are all, like, pretty much the best of the Stradivarius uh, ballads. Um, just really cool stuff. Um, Alessandro's got such a great voice, so he was a good choice. I think Alessandro was also um, playing live with Timo Tolkki when Timo Tolkki was doing his uh, live, I don't know if it was like a Stradivarius throwback tour or whatever, but um, good, really good choice. Alessandro's in twilight force and trick or treat and sang with, uh, Luca Torelli, So he's got quite the, uh, the resume. Um, so I, I, enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, and also, uh, Voyager released their, what I would consider uh, long awaited album, fearless and love. It's had been, I want to say four years since their last album. And, and with all the hype that went into Eurovision, uh, I was really excited to hear this. Um, I liked it. Uh, I I feel like with Voyager a- albums, the newer ones, they they usually take me a few listens to really grab me. Not like the old days. I would listen to like White Shadow one time, and my head would explode. Huh. Um, but uh, in this case, like the, the the newer stuff, it's a little bit more intricate. So like, uh, it takes me a little bit. But um, I thought it was right on par with their previous album, which I enjoyed quite a bit. I think it was in my top five albums the year that it came out, so, um, we'll see where this ends up landing, um, it did have the, uh, benefit of several of the tracks being out for quite a while, uh, Dreamer, Ultraviolet, um, not Ultraviolet, sorry, uh, Dreamer, Submarine, Promise, which was the big song from, uh, Eurovision, and, and Prince of Fire were all released ahead of the album, um, Submarine and uh, Dreamer came out last year. Dreamer came out in January of uh, 2022. So uh, some of these tracks have been out there for a while, but um, good stuff. So, yeah, I'm kind of getting back into the the swing of things as far as listening to newer stuff. So I'll continue to try and get caught up, but um, I'm in pretty good shape. I think hopefully in about a few weeks I should be back on track.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's been a bit of a summer lull in terms of new releases. I don't think that um, there was quite as many as there were this spring. But if if history is to repeat itself, once September rolls around, September, October, and pretty much through Thanksgiving in November, it gets pretty busy. And then there's a real lull in December, which kind of gives you another chance to catch up before all the new releases come out in January. But uh, I, I just picked up the Voyager myself. I'm eagerly awaiting that listen. I'm going to probably listen to it later in the day uh, today when I have a a long drive ahead of me. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited for this. Um, I agree with you. I don't think that their most recent releases are a one listen and your hook type of thing. I think it takes a little time to marinate, but at the same time, you know, you know what you're going to get from, from these guys and girls. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that immensely. Uh, And I just wanted to mention one other album that I listened to a bunch this week. I had not heard of uh, this band, but it's a Norwegian band called um, How do you say this? Arcrust. And I'm going to spell that. A-V-K-R-V-S-T Trying to, I guess, match Morgable for for fused vowels in in a prog rock band. But nonetheless, these Norwegian guys came out with an album called um, The Approbation. And I have to say, if you like Old you know, old porcupine tree from like the in absentia era. And if you like Opeth, you will go crazy for this band. They seamlessly go in and out of both styles. Emphasis more on the prog rock and the porcupine tree, but then there'll be these passages of really heavy with heavy, heavy prog metal with with aggressive vocals, and then they seamlessly go right back into um the Prague rock stuff just a real heavy hitter for me just because i'm a sucker for that stuff and uh thanks to the the aforementioned glenn Harveston for posting it because had i not seen it i don't know that this would have come on my radar although it is out uh on inside out records so it is on a you know a fairly major label but a really really good album i'll try to post a song or you know from 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 the album this week um i'm curious to hear your thoughts on this as well because i i think that there's some potential here for you too
1: I'll have to check it out. Um, I don't think I was even aware of it, so good to know.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, getting to the matter at hand, we, we we move from Norway to Sweden and The Halo Effect, their one and only album, Days of the Lost, which came out last year, um, to... I don't want to say a, a ton of acclaim, but there was a lot of buzz behind this band before this album even came out, and I think part of the reason is twofold. Number one, it's it's a debut release on Nuclear Blast Records, which I think grabs people's attention right away because of you know the credibility, I guess, that that label brings. And two, the quite frankly, just the lineup, uh, which is essentially all of the old guys from In Flames, with. Uh, a singer that people know and love, and that's Michael Stani from, from Dark Tranquility. So you have a really powerful lineup in many ways. And and immediately when they released the first single from this album, and, and the first single was Shadow Minds, which we'll, which we'll get to momentarily, I think everyone's thoughts were this is what they wanted In Flames to be the last 20 years. And, and I know that you are not so familiar with In Flames, but just to kind of walk you through the history, obviously uh, a groovy melodic death metal band um, from that Swedish scene that kind of pioneered the genre in many ways. And there were In Flames was arguably the biggest of the bunch back in the late mid to late 90s. And then they just kind of, changed I for lack of a better word they changed their style it, it wasn't quite as aggressive it was a little more metal corey in in ways but if you go back to the turn of the century with albums like clayman and colony back in 1999 um this was some of the best melodic death metal that was really out there at the time and then this was kind of a callback to those types of albums in in, in a number of ways and that was what the allure was for me um let's let's start with in flames are you familiar with any of their stuff do you know some of their songs do you know some of their albums i'm kind of curious um because it's it's an interesting listen to listen to the halo effect but not know some of those classic in flames albums
1: i don't know a damn thing about in flames i'll be honest with you i there you go so it's very remember, interesting perspective yeah i remember when i had a radio show in college that they had um some of their albums were in the uh, studio but um I tended to play my own stuff. So like uh, I really was not familiar with them. So I'd be curious to go back and and listen to something. But you want to know what the most fascinating personnel discovery I made regarding this album? Can I guess? Uh, I'm sure you can. Because this was a discovery
0: for me as well. And if if, if we're going to talk about the same thing, this is absolutely fascinating. But apparently – not only did Michael Stani sing on Days of Uh the Days of the Days of the Lost, not only was he the frontman for decades now for Dark Tranquility, but apparently he had a run in Hammerfall as well. Tell me that's what you were getting at.
1: Yeah, yeah. Apparently he was their vocalist during before their first album came out, before uh Jokum uh became their singer. I didn't even know that Hammerfall had a, a previous vocalist before that It's wild.
0: I would kill to hear those demos or whatever you know whatever recordings might be out there of that. That is fascinating and was a complete shock to me as well. And when I think of Dark Tranquility or I think of the Halo effect, I don't think of Hammerfall just because the music is so <laughs> different and and quite frankly, um, you hear some of Michael's cleans on this album and even when I hear the cleans which I happen to enjoy, I still don't think "Glory to the Brave" style Hammerfall, which is obviously their debut. So I, I would just love to hear anything they did back in you know the the mid '90s with him, you know, his demos or four tracks or eight tracks or what have you.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating to me. I I, I would kill to just hear Hammerfall's first album sung with all harsh vocals, just <laughs> for, just for fun. I think that would be hilarious.
0: Yeah, so a huge, huge um, surprise for both of us there Um, just to kind of round out the lineup because the band, you know, being that they're such a new band, they're still together. And and quite frankly, their new album is coming out in the the not so distant future. So it's something to look forward to. But uh, it's Nicholas Englund on lead guitar, Peter Iris on bass, Jesper Stromblad on rhythm and Daniel Svensson on drums. And again, the band only goes back about two years Um, coming together in uh, 2021 with Shadow Minds, the first single coming out on November 9th, uh, you know, almost a year ahead of the album, which came out August 12th of last year. And I remember when that single came out, I said to myself, wow, I can't believe that the album was going to take so long to see the light of day, because typically you don't release a single 10 or 11 months in front of the album, but they did it. And and credit to them, uh, they definitely... Led with a track that I think, um, wet people's appetites.
1: You know, I was like, you mentioned Jesper Ye- uh, Stromblad, and I'm like, why does that name sound familiar? And it turns out he was also in Hammerfall around the same time that, uh, Michael Stame was. Um, not to mention he's currently in the band Syrah, which is, uh, the band that Jake from Amaranth, um, is in after he left Amaranth. And, uh, he was also in Synergy. <laughs> So yeah,
0: it's, uh, it's a very incestuous lineup here, but yeah, I've been around the block more than once. He's also um, in dimension. He was in dimension zero for a number of years uh, for those that remember them. Uh, so, you know, lots of, lots of overlap here in that Swedish scene, but I think that it comes together and I guess with, with really one mission in mind, and that's to, to kind of t- give that modern feel to that old flames sound and, I think they hit the mark if you if you like those in flames albums and i i will pick one of them because i think you'd be remiss not to hear some of that stuff uh it's amongst the first melodic death metal that i ever heard going back 20 something years at this point uh that that was really a precursor for what this would ultimately be and and apparently if if this you know if it sounds like they're going to continue in that direction with their new release, which is due out, uh, as I said, in the not so distant future.
1: Have you heard the um, the new song? I didn't realize that it had come out already. Um, I just I just grabbed it on off of iTunes, but I haven't heard it yet. Um,
0: yeah, it's it's quite good. It's it, as I kind of alluded to, it's in the same vein I think as the first album. Um, yeah, it's called "Path of Fierce Resistance." It's a really good song. It's short. Accessible as far as melodic death metal goes, you know what I like about this band is that in many ways I don't find them to be a laborious listen. Uh, the songs, you know, by and large, they're three to four minutes in length for the most part, and you get in, you get out, and you, you're on to the next track. And with the melodies that keep changing, it keeps it keeps the album quite fresh. I don't, when it comes to death metal or black metal or even melodic death metal, I don't need a 65 minute album. Give me 45 minutes and I'm very, very happy and I'll move on to the next thing.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would have enjoyed this had it gone on any longer. I think it was just, it was the right, the right length. Um, And the songs are just kind of like really kind of quick, quick bangers. Uh, I had a hard time choosing my song of the week because I just, I liked everything pretty much evenly, like straight, straight. Uh, front like front to back uh, I thought it was a really um, e- like a really uh balanced album yeah
0: I agree with that I don't think that there's any duds I don't think that there's any songs on here that are my song of the year from last year but it's just a really solid listen and the way I would describe them and the reason I would encourage you to check them out at Prague power uh, in a couple of months. They're a professional band. Everything about this is just professional. It's a good sound, good songwriting. Um, I I have no doubt they're going to be very tight live, and they're going to bring a a very, very professional uh, performance to the stage. This is not a band. Uh, I I think back to Solution 45 when they played their debut show at Prague Power, despite the great musicians in that band, the set was kind of, I don't know, not good at all because i just didn't think it was a great debut performance it wasn't tight but i know for a fact that these guys will put on a great show so i i i think that when you put the whole package together you're in for a treat and again they're only playing for an hour so i think that much like the album they're going to hit the, they're going to hit their mark and then they're going to get off the stage which is you know kind of what you want at a festival you don't need uh, everyone to play for two hours
1: fair enough i i will say i pretty sure solution 45 set at prog power is the first time the band ever played live together it was uh, oh
0: it absolutely was yeah. but it showed whereas these guys they're tight and they've been touring this album for for the better part of a year now
1: yeah i i would expect this to be of like you said just a very uh really just a great sounding set like just, yes uh, you know, production wise, mix wise, um, I I am glad we did this because I list so I listened to this album. I think once or twice last year because a lot of people are talking about it, but it didn't make my list. and And I think that had I listened to it more, I would have because uh, I actually really enjoyed it. and And now I am definitely sold that I will be uh, seeing their set at, at Prague Power. It gives me something else to to look forward to, which was kind of the whole point of this anyway. I am um, hoping the same happens. With Vola over the next couple of weeks, I'm already as as we already know, I'm already locked in for Beast in Black. But uh, so yeah, this was I'm glad we did this because um, this was uh, a grower for me. Like this was the sort of thing where you I listened to it once and it was kind of like a shrug your shoulders and go meh. But then the more I listened to it and the more the songs started to feel a little bit more distinct from one another, uh, I ended up really enjoying it. Yeah.
0: Mission accomplished. And I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I listened to this album quite a bit last year and I liked it a lot. And then I really hadn't listened to it for a while just because, you know, I've moved on to other things, but as I go back to it, I think I liked it more now and it was in my top 50 last year. I want to say it was around 25, maybe 23. But as I, as I went back, I, I actually thought that just the whole package here was even better than I remembered it in a lot of ways. And you know, Again, I'm not going to suggest it was my album of the year. It it, it most certainly was not that. But there was a lot here that you just kind of, it kind of just met my appetite for what I'm looking for, for from an album like this, which is 40 to 45 minutes. This one happens to be 41 short accessible melodic you know i didn't not a lot of thought involved and then i would move on to a prog album or uh, something else and then i come back to this and i'm like it just got better and better and i did like it last year so i'm glad and and i guess with that no better time than to uh you know let, let's kind of jump into it the the album starts off with shadow minds which i guess is in many ways kind of fitting i guess because if if you had never heard or if you had ever heard the single when it came out the year prior Certainly a good opening track, and I think maybe what jumps out right away before I even get into the song itself very warm production, just very um, not very very pleasing production and that's kind of interesting because they are a relatively heavy band uh, by by you know musical standards, but it was just very warm um, attractive production. And it starts off with this, like, tribal drum sound. And then once that riff kicks in, I immediately start thinking of that old In flame stuff. Uh, just that, that, But it's, it's it's a riff, but there's a groove to it. And you cannot kind of move to the beat, almost like this this rhythm that you can't get out of your head. Um, and, and dare I say that Michael Stani's vocals, about as accessible as you can get for melodic death metal. Would, would you agree with that?
1: You know, honestly, I wasn't really a big fan at first. Um, okay. Okay. I don't know. Not I don't find that it's inaccessible. I just, for my tastes, I, it just didn't click with me. But uh, I, the more I listened to it, the more I kind of softened my stance on that. Um, but um, it, it kind of reminded me of a of like a a less chaotic Children of Bodom. I guess would be the way I would put it. And I've always really liked Children of Bodom, so uh, it was almost like Children of Bodom. You know, took a Valium. Uh, Yeah, it's.
0: I'm. I'm I'm actually really happy you said that because I don't hear it on this track, but there were spots on the album where I completely agree with you, and I was surprised because that's obviously much more power metal than this is. But certain sections of Bodom songs reminded me of certain sections of this song what what uh, what i hear on shadow minds is that is it's kind of like orbit culture light with that really grooviness to it um but very very heavy but um yeah it's 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 a really cool i like that it has that this little electronic outro good opening song good introduction to the band um but again i don't know that it stands out much more than anything else on the album because top to bottom it's a pretty solid release
1: yeah uh, i thought it was a good way to kick things off um I, I just, I, the thing that I like about this band is that, um, they're the type of band where, like, have the, had it been all clean vocals, I would have probably absolutely loved the album, um, because it's just my preference. But, um, th- the reason for that is just because of how, how melodic the album is and just how crisp and clear the production is and everything. And there's just, there's good solos and it's just a really, like I would have enjoyed this album, uh, you know, regardless of who the, the vocalist was, and I think that's kind of what powered uh, the album for me in general. I,
0: I think that makes perfect sense, and I think with that, I have a very strong sense as to what your song of the week might be. But I'll 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 save that for a little bit. Uh, the second, Wait,
1: I, maybe you can tell me because I'm not quite sure. I know myself. Well, it's funny. I have a
0: song. I have two songs in mind for mine. And I'm curious to see if, well, let's just, I'll just get into it. Days of the Lost is probably one of them. It's not the one I'm going to choose, I think. Um, but this is one of the best songs on the album for me. It just an awesome drum fill and an awesome, awesome melodic riff that kind of kicks things off. And and the way I would describe this is poppy, melodic death metal. Like this is about as uh, melodic and catchy a song. And it's almost written like a pop song. But for a melodic death metal band, I don't care what you call it, catchy as hell. Love it. The chorus is fantastic. And and the guitar work and drums just jump off the page on this. I think that it's a better song than Shadow Minds. And quite frankly, if, if I was going to try to get someone into the band that may not be aware of them, I'd probably start here. A definite Song of the Week candidate for me.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I would tend to agree there. I like it better than the first track as well. I like the part where it just gets kind of quiet before the chorus, and, and then kind of gets loud again. Um, I think it has a, just a little bit more um, variety than the first tune, but um, both really good tunes. This was one of the songs I liked. Um, I don't know, it's it's like for me to say like this is one of the songs I like more, Only it just means I only liked it slightly more than sure. everything else. Like I said, like... Um, this was kind of like, uh, whereas a lot of albums kind of go in a wave for me, like, oh, this one, I really like this one. Eh, like, This one was really just kind of like... Balanced. Yeah, like really just above average, but uh, completely consistently from start to finish. Um, but I do like this song. I really like the, um, the overarching guitar riff that kind of leads the song. Um, I think it's just uh, another really good tune. So...
0: That brings us to track three, which is a song called "The Needless End," and this was the fourth of six singles from this album. Which is, I don't know, nothing. I shouldn't say the, the 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 five five singles um, from the album, but still, a half the album released as singles. This song, and and I'll say this about a lot of this stuff. I think there's a a, a similar cadence to much of these songs. It's nothing is super super fast, and nothing is well, not really many slow ballad songs on the album. This one, I think, gives off a really strong amorphous vibe more than anything else, or at least at the start. And then um, if you're going to get faster, this would be the song as it kind of picks up steam, but I wouldn't say markedly so, but I think it's noticeably faster than the first two, perhaps. Um, what, what I enjoy about this, though, is the dichotomy between the 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 chorus and the verses. Is there's a, a definitely a distinct, a distinct nature between those two, and, and also great, great bass lines that jump out probably more so than the first two tracks. Um, not my favorite instrumental section. I thought that was a little weak, uh, but I, I do have one, I don't want to say concern, and I it's kind of... Uh, the opposite of something i said earlier i i I had mentioned how i expect them to be just a really tight live band but on a track like this lots of keys and i wonder if it's going to take away from the overall performance when you have to pipe in these keyboards kind of like we talked with pete beast and black will the will the mat will the pre-manufactured keyboards take away from the overall sound i'm inclined to say no but i just wanted to flag that
1: yeah i mean that's a fair concern. I think it's, the uh, compared to Beast in Black, they're less keyboard-driven in general, so I don't know that it's going to be a major uh, demerit, if you will, but um, hopefully it's handled well. Um, sometimes just a uh, the way that it's mixed in really makes all the difference, so um, we'll see. But um, I like this song. I You know, I didn't make that amorphous connection, but now that you mention it, like, totally... Um, in that vibe um it's uh it's a cool tune um it feels like it's uh at least at the beginning of the song it feels like it's it's heavier than the first two a little bit more darker i guess um but uh again another another really strong track in my my opinion probably not my favorite either i think i like the probably the i probably like um Days of the Lost is uh, was that the second track? Yeah,
0: uh, well, I like that a little that, bit. That was better. probably
1: my favorite up to this point. But um, yeah, another really good, another good tune.
0: And we get to Conditional, the fourth track, which is a really another banger um, on the heels of uh, on on the heels of uh, the needless end. Did anything jump out to you about this track? Because I, I have some strong thoughts on this one, but I want to give you a chance to kind of lead lead this discussion. Um, this this particular tune was a little bit different for me as compared to the prior three, but for a reason that was a little surprising. And I don't think I ever picked up on this last year when I was listening to the album semi-regularly. But your thoughts on, on Conditional?
1: It kind of gave... like I, I got like an alternative metal kind of vibe from this. Um, Bingo. Especially towards the beginning. Like it just Bingo. sounded like one of those songs you would have heard on the radio by i'm not not sure who the right Soundgarden. yeah there you go i um, hear
0: Soundgarden, and that's that and that's what i was kind of alluding to if you will when i heard this i got the alt metal vibe on this or the alt rock vibe like a heavy alt rock band a sound garden maybe an alice in chains but it was kind of cool because you don't really hear melodic death metal and alt rock blend together but they did it on this track
1: yeah agreed um even like early Avenged Sevenfold might be uh, a comparison to make. I mean, until the vocals come in, and then it's like, oh, yep, yeah, it's Halo Effect. But uh, I definitely, yeah, it, that especially the beginning of the song just definitely felt like a different vibe than the previous tracks, and uh, I thought it was really well done. It's just another uh, another really solid tune.
0: And, and I think that this one has a little bit more of a technical feel to it in many ways as you get deeper into the song. Um, I don't know if that's just a testament to the songwriting, or if they were trying to do something a little bit different. But a very, very
1: solid track. You know, now that you got Amorphous on my brain, now that's all I'm hearing now. <laughs> like just, especially the um, the guitars are very Amorphous ish. The Amor- riffs,
0: the way they construct their the songs, and I'm not talking about the solo so much, but definitely the riffs in the instrumentals. I yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That was a good good call.
0: Um. Now we get to a song that has a really spooky, dark tranquility vibe, and not just in the vocals, but the performance itself, and that's called In Broken Trust. Um, I'll just lead with this one. I was going to guess that this would be your song of the week, and it certainly is mine. I love this song. I think it's going to be a live favorite. And what I love about it is how damn catchy it is. It's groovy, it's catchy, and I love how there's certain spots where the band kind of fades out, and then all of a sudden the vocals are just shining through, really prominent. And the cleans during the chorus are just a nice touch that you don't hear throughout the album, so it really jumps out when it when it's here. Um, this this has been the song that was kind of in my head all week long and I just can't wait to kind of jump along and move my fist to the beat when we when we hear this live in Atlanta and you know what another six weeks or so song of the week let's give it a listen and then I want to hear um your thoughts this is called in broken trust by the halo effect So there you have it. In broken trust, uh, my song of the week. But I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, do you like this song as much as I do, or did, did you know did it kind of just not blend into the others for you?
1: Uh, yeah, it was kind of just another one of the uh, another strong track. Um, definitely felt like something that could have been um, a radio tune just because the vocals are clean and more accessible. I think to like a general audience, but um, it's uh, it, it's got it. it most of the songs in this album kind of have like this mid tempo kind of vibe to it. And this one's no, no, uh, no different, but, um, yeah, I, I can I definitely understand why you, uh, why you like it. it it's, it's got, um, it, it like the, the bridges are kind of spooky, but then the, the chorus kind of has a little bit more of a, like a, a you know, uh, uh, a, a, a radio friendly kind of vibe to it. So, um, cool tune, good choice. And, uh, yeah, another, another good one. I, I just uh, I just feel like um, it's just like one 7.5 song after another for me, which might lend to what my final rating <laughs> okay. might end up being. In this it's particular. a very solid score though, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, like a 7.5 um,
0: is getting close to a rarefied air.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly, well, the first time I listened to the album, I was just like, oh, this is going to be a slog. But it really, it, it, it wasn't. Uh, I'm glad I gave it more of a, a chance. And that's why some albums, you just Sometimes the first listen just doesn't uh, doesn't do it justice.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Um I agree. And that's, you know, that kind of wraps up side one of the album and we start with track 6 which is called Gateways. This track is nearly 5 minutes long, which makes it the epic on the album, which is kind of funny, but I I want to interject here because there's something about this song which is absolutely fascinating to me. Have you ever heard of a theremin?
1: Uh yes. Um I'm Uh, drawing a blank on what kind of instrument it is but this thing
0: is one of the it's an electronic instrument where you move your hands you don't actually touch anything but the way you move your hands it kind of makes the sounds the sound waves just kind of go up and down i swear to god there's a theremin on this track or at least there is with some of the keyboard effects and it's really cool because i've never used the word theremin on a metal podcast (laughs) i probably never will again but it's kind of cool, and I, I like the I like the use of it here. Um, I think the bass jumps out as well, and it really kind of drives the verses. But the chorus is is my favorite part of the song. It's almost like a Muraf type of vibe with this theremin type sound, and are just a really catchy, catchy, catchy um, chorus, and, and one of the better instrumental sections on the album too. So to me, two gems back to back, probably my two favorite tracks with with, with Days of the Lost. Um, but just jammed in the middle of this album, which is which is unique.
1: I really like the the first minute or so of the song is kind of just led by the drums. It's kind of yeah. like this quieter intro where it's really just kind of the drums, the bass line, and the um and the singer. And then there's like this little guitar noodle, and then it busts into like the the heavy shit again. And it's like uh, it's cool, like. It, for an album that I found to be pretty, uh, you know, like, solid all the way through, it does have, like, these little parts where if there's just these little pockets of uniqueness that, that kind of set each song apart from one another. Because, um, like, honestly, I would have said, like, the first time I listened to this album, it was just, like, 45 minutes of one one song. Um, right, right, right. Just, like, this this long, you know, prog... prog uh, Melodic death metal, uh, forty-five minute epic, and now it's like okay. Now I can start to kind of pick pick these songs apart. But um, this one just has a very like deliberate kind of drum uh, drum beat that keeps this that kind of keeps the pace going for the song, and then the guitars will jump in and add a little bit of uh, heaviness to it.
0: And, and to your point, I, I think that. I I agree. The intro to this song is great. The word I would use to describe it is intriguing. You just kind of want to know where this thing is going to go. And and because it is the longest song on the album, they really give themselves time to kind of develop the rest of the song. But this is this is a great tune. I I, I shouldn't say great. It's a very good tune. I, I think that the beginning really lends itself to where it ultimately goes. Well said. Thank you. I I appreciate that. Uh, We get to uh, another song that I think you might enjoy or might have enjoyed, and that's called A Truth Worth Lying For. Um, A bit of a similar cadence to this, um, definitely riff-based, definitely groovy, but again, another song with clean vocals during the chorus. And I think it provides for an interesting dichotomy, dichotomy between the heavy verses and then these almost beautiful, clean vocals on the choruses. Uh, not not a favorite of mine. Uh, I think the highlight here is probably the pre-chorus, which ramps up to um, the payoff during the chorus. Probably in my bottom two or three songs on the album, but certainly nothing to skip, a, a listenable tune.
1: Yeah, I I just liked how different the way the beginning of the song is compared to the previous one, where that one was kind of like quiet and and, and more drum uh lead whereas this one is just like flying guitars right off the bat definitely a bodum-esque kind of vibe kicking it off where you just have these really fast guitars um the song feels a bit faster than some of the previous songs I don't know that anything gets much faster than this on any of the album um but yeah my thoughts are pretty much in line with yours again, anytime the clean vocals come out, it's, it's cool. Cause like going back to the, vo- the new Voyager album, there's, um, there's harsh vocals sprinkled here and there. And it's kind of like the opposite on this album where there's like clean vocals sprinkled here and there, where it's like, it's like a pleasant, uh, it's a pleasant, uh, distraction from the, the general sound. And with Voyager, it was similar where hearing more harsh vocals was kind of cool. Um,
0: and it's Alex so, that does the growls there, right? If I'm not mistaken, I,
1: I believe so, and he's quite good at it. If that is him, uh, cheers to him! But uh, yeah, this it's it's cool. Um, I I'm I don't know. I'm trying to remember. I, I think I know what my song of the week is going to be at this point, and I'm trying to remember if there's clean vocals on it or not. But um, it's it, it that is not uh, going to make or break what makes the song of the week for me on this album, honestly. Even though it is. Uh, a pleasant to hear. I think that just the 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 album is is really meant to have like heavier vocals. I, I think, and that's really what drives the the sound in, in you know ninety five percent of the album.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I agree with you. One um, hundred. Again, I think
1: this is another song that would have made for a good radio tune.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and I think you could say the same about the next track, "Feel What I Believe." Um, I hear a touch of pop on this song. It's almost like melodic death metal with pop and some metalcore elements, which is a blend of, of stuff that usually you don't say together. But this is a really good song on the back end of the album. The drumming here, I think, really sets the tone. But the riff here, this is where I heard Children of Bodom loud and clear. The riff on this track may as well have come off of um, the Bodom album that we talked about in the archives Um you know, after, after, um, the untimely passing of, of, um, you know, their key member, I I just think that there's something about this song at maybe it's where it's placed on the album, or maybe it's, um, just the way they constructed this thing. But I, I really enjoyed this track, but I don't know that I would have, it would have jumped out to me if it was like the first or second track on the album.
1: Yeah, definitely agree. V- definitely a Bodom-esque riff going on here. Um, yeah, just to get another really solid tune. This one has a little bit. This one's probably one of the more high energy tunes on the album. But um, yeah, I, I I like this one too. Um, I I will say there was not really uh, not really a song in this album that I would probably rank lower than like a, a seven. I would say
0: yeah. There's not there's nothing skippable. You can and that's what makes for as I said kind of an easy listen. Um, and and we've only got two left. The the, the next track is called Last of Our Kind. This one, the intro kind of sounds like a soundtrack to an old movie, but the song itself, really powerful. And this one gave off um, vibes of another melodic death metal band, but this time out of Sweden and out of Finland and into Italy of all places. Uh, This reminds me of the band Rain Time, and I happen to love... That band's first two albums, and I think that that's why this song is so attractive to me. Um, just it gives me a strong rain time vibe.
1: Rain time and, mentioned two episodes in a row, by the yes, way. Yes,
0: yes. How how ironic is that? I mean, I, that's 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 saying something. Uh, but what's interesting about this more than maybe any other track on the album is the fact that it kind of ends abruptly, so it leaves you wanting more, but in a good way. It just kind of ends out of nowhere. But I thought that was a cool effect.
1: Yeah, uh it it's uh the pull me under effect if you yes, will. Yes.
0: <laughs> exactly. Good uh, good comparison. What what did you think of this one?
1: Uh another just another really solid tune. Like I'm kind of running out of things to say at this point because everything's just been really good up to this point and I think we're I don't know that we're breaking any new ground at this point in the album, but um yeah, just a, another another really good tune. Um again, this one feels a little bit more on the faster uh Tempo side, or at least as fast as as this band's going to go on this album. Um, I, I'm excited to hear how this translates to a live setting. I think it's going to be really enjoyable, and with a live crowd of people getting into it, and with a good mix, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be one of the highlights of the the four days, the four day festival.
0: That's great. I'm I'm glad I will be next to you to watch this one. I'm I'm glad that it's not a skip. Um, and, and I have a feeling they're going to play most, if not the entire album, just because of the length of the set and the fact that they don't, you know, I, I can't see them playing more than two or three new songs for an album, um, that isn't out yet. But, but this album itself ends with a track called the most alone. And this track is really melodic. And since you have no tracks left, why don't you tell us why it's your song of the week?
1: Actually, my song of the week is uh, "Beast in Blacks," uh, <laughs> True Believer for the second week. Of, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you know what's funny? The last time I listened to this album, again, I was like really trying to focus on what my favorite song was, and I'm all the way, I'm, I get all the way to the end of the album, and I'm like, shit, like I still don't know what it is. And then this last song comes on, and as soon as that opening riff kicked in, I'm like, yeah, this is the one. I mean, it just um. I love just that the whole, that, that, that like spooky keyboard mixed with that catchy riff at the beginning. That just, it pulls you right into the song immediately. Um, and like we always say, if, if I'm going to hook you, you're going to be hooked. (laughs) So, um, I thought this was a perfect song to end the album with. It's the one that I think I just enjoyed the most, although probably only slightly more than the rest of the album, but, um, I thought that this was the um, the most memorable riff uh, on the entire album and I think that's what really um, just made it the the most uh, enjoyable track for me. So um let's give it a listen and uh, I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts and and uh, and I'm excited that we don't have to talk about another album after this. Close
2: to ourselves. The Jagger Dash
0: I think the most alone is a really good way to to go out. I think it's one of the more melodic tracks on the album. Um, I don't, I think the instrumental breakdown isn't the most technical piece of music on the album, but it's really slow and effective. And although it's nothing new per se, it just harkens back to that sound that they were going for, which is that turn of the century in flame sound. And they do it well. So like I, I all I can say is I look forward to the next album I look forward to hearing the vast majority of this album live, both at Prague Power and then again at 70,000 Tons. It's going to be a good show. And then, of course, um, with Vola and Beast in Black going on afterwards, it just should be a really good afternoon and evening of music. So I, I guess that begs the question, does it get the 7.5 that you were kind of leaning towards earlier on or you know, up or down from there?
1: Uh, you know what I, I'm gonna give it a um, a seven point uh, eight seven five even okay. slightly higher uh, I just think that it's uh a seven point five almost feels like it's it's doing a, a disservice um, so that's this
0: for you? it took a little bit of time but as as you let it marinate I guess this one really kind of jumped off the pages a bit
1: yeah yeah for sure yeah um, um, no, wait. Let me rescind that. Um, my my brain is a little. I, I meant to say seven point seven five. That's that's
0: okay. I mean, at fractions were never were never. You know, this isn't the math exchange. But I'll I'll be honest. It's it's the same score for me as well. Um, I don't think there's anything revolutionary here. I don't think you're going to say I've never heard this before. It's the top of the genre, but it's really enjoyable and it's right in. It's right near that um, that level where you'd say it's an all. You know, I think once you get eight and above, you're talking about unforgettable albums, and this is really close to it, so kudos to them for that. I, I think a 7 or a seven five is kind of a low score for something like this because, like I said, I, I enjoyed the album last year. I enjoyed it even more this time around, so kudos to them for that.
1: There you go. Looks like we're uh, on the same page here. I look forward to um, seeing this band with you uh, at Prague Power, and uh, it, I, I, I definitely urge the listeners to Listen to the interview with Milton uh, next week because he talks about the um, why he chose these three bands that we are um, discussing this month uh, to to kind of be on that top uh, top three uh, bands of his lineup with um, you know with uh, zero hour and and seven kingdoms uh, finishing up the um, finishing up the lineup, but he kind of explains his. Um, his mentality in booking those bands in particular. Um, but uh, I'll just say this, um, at least based on the three bands that we're talking about in long form, um, three bands that couldn't be more different from one another. So uh, I think at least as far as variety goes, definitely have that here. Um, the, the the jury is still out for me as far as Vola goes. Uh, check back in, two weeks where I hope to be a, a, an expert in all things VOLA. And uh, uh, I'm also very curious as to why they are VOLAs in all caps. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll delve into that. Um, all that
0: and more. But I'll say this. I think that having that diversity, a melodic death metal band, for all intents and purposes, a prog rock band, even more so than Prague metal, arguably. And then obviously the that melodic quasi-power metal style of Beast in Black, it will blend each set each set will stand out separate and apart from the others and if you're longing for something different you definitely get that here
1: yeah i mean if you just think about the lineup on day two as a whole you're starting with a power metal band into like a very technical prog metal band into a melodic death metal band into a prog rock band into a power slash melodic metal band i mean you really kind of every band
0: sounds different
1: yeah, and it, and it's just this really great, I think, um, wave of of styles that um, I, I thought uh, I thought they did a, that Milton did a good job with that last year as well with um, you know Seven Spires and Pain of Salvation and Stradivarius kind of being the top three bands that that was a great um, mix of bands along with um, Will to Run and and the other band that uh, whose name name escapes me that. Um, this, uh, that Soto came out and played keyboards with. Uh, I forgot. Oh yeah, they yeah, were yeah. they were great too. I, I was my favorite day of the fest last year was Thursday. Actually, I, I stayed in the venue for all five bands, which I don't normally do. Um, and you could go back. We we did a whole review of that whole Prague Power, but that I just that day was so memorable for me. Honestly, the whole week was honestly, but uh, that day in particular, music music wise, uh, just being able to be there for the whole day of songs or the whole day of bands and just really in- enjoying it. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to, to something similar. Uh, and with the, uh, the hotel situation being what it is, I think we're going to be spending a lot more time in the venue this year. Um, maybe seeing more bands than we would have planned um, because we just don't have that hop, skip and a jump back to the hotel that we're used to. Going back and forth is going to be a little bit more of a slog, so I think uh, we're probably just going to park it in the in the uh, in the venue uh, like the old days, and, and just kind of stick around. Maybe order a pizza, have it delivered to the uh, to the upper deck while Delane is playing. Uh, Delane's is, playing, yeah, exactly. so yeah. there's a
0: tradition there as well. But kidding aside, for those that don't know. Um, The kind of home base for for this festival is a a hotel that's a block and a half away from the venue, but they're under renovations. So everyone is staying somewhere else this year, which means that they're kind of in and around Midtown Atlanta. I'm at a hotel, you have an Airbnb, and everyone is just kind of, you know, it's not as convenient as it was to just walk to your room in between sets or to skip a set and and, and veg out in the room. So yeah, to your point... um, I I think that that was probably the only way you were going to watch zero hour set. And maybe they got you because, uh, you know, I know the technical Prague it may not be your favorite, but you know, where where are you going to go for that hour?
1: Uh, You never know. I mean, like I, the last time green carnation played at Prague power, which unfortunately was one of the few years that you, uh, couldn't attend. Um, I was kind of pulled into their set from not via Nops. And uh, I wasn't really planning on seeing much if any of it. And, I ended up staying for, I think I left 10 minutes, there were like 10 minutes left into a uh, day of whatever it's called. Light of
0: day, day of darkness. Yeah,
1: thank you. Uh, wasn't going to get that. Um, I was so blown away by the the musicianship um, involved that I didn't even care that it wasn't really my favorite thing in the world. I was just so hyper focused on the actual technical aspect of it. So. It's funny. Some of the sets I never thought I would stick around for. Somebody will keep me there, and uh, and I'll end up getting really surprised. Um, I actually stuck around for Snowy Shaw's set a few years back, and was like, "Wow!" Like I kind of glad I stuck around for this because it's it's pretty nutty. Uh, but so yeah, I, to but, that
0: end, i I guess that begs the question. We'll just completely go off topic here. Green Carnation is playing again. Are you going to check out their set? Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I honestly don't know that there's going to be too much of of anything that I missed this time around, just because, like you said, where am I going to go? Like, the, they serve food in the venue, so, like, leaving to eat isn't as much of a concern. Um, there's drinks in the venue, so leaving to drink isn't much of a concern. <laughs> uh, you know, um, we're not really buying CDs anymore, so going to the vendor room isn't much of a concern. There's not really too many vendors left selling CDs. So uh, we're going to have to kind of go back to what brought us to the festival in the first place. And that's because there's bands playing at it. So
0: I like it. I like it. I want to mention just a few news items, which I think are are noteworthy. Uh, Anyone that was going out to California for the power trip festival uh, this fall. Unfortunately, Ozzy Osbourne has pulled out. He is unable unable to perform this October. So unfortunately, they had to get a replacement. I think they did a very, very good job with who they got. Um, if you recall, this is the festival with Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Metallica, Iron Maiden, and Tool. And replacing Ozzy is Judas Priest. So this is kind of um, a very, very you know, it's kind of a, the the Godfathers in many way, or the I don't want to say the Mount Rushmore because I'm insulting thousands of other bands, but when you think of hard rock and heavy metal, those those are kind of the names. You know,
1: does um, Rob Halford still perform with Priest? I know that it's been he's been in and out over the years. Yes, oh, so
0: he's he's there. So you're getting you're getting uh, you're getting Rob Halford. He'll be out on his motorcycle, I'm sure. Uh, leather abound, but yeah, it's kind of a cool replacement. I know some folks going to the festival were a little upset that Ozzy had to cancel, but, uh, I'd be excited for priest.
1: I feel like you're probably going to get a better, at least a better vocal performance out of Rob Halford. than you're going to get out of Ozzy these days. Um, I don't know about, I can't speak for the rest of Ozzy's band. I'm sure they're all phenomenal musicians and what have you, but I guess Ozzy's, uh, coming out of retirement was a little bit premature. Um, Cause we were joked about how he, we talked about him announcing his live retirement. And then like a couple months later, we were announcing this, that he was playing at this festival. So it was kind of like, can't make it up. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, I know his health has always been in question, especially recently. So I'm wondering if uh, he's just not physically up to it. Um, but uh, Hey, if this thing blows up, you never know. There might be another one next year and maybe Ozzy will come back and with the rest of sabbath who the hell knows you know
0: god god only knows um it's funny because i I was you know when a couple of months ago we saw halloween and we talked about how they were um you know basically uh they entered the heavy metal hall of fame well there's another band that was recently announced for the metal hall of fame at, at a show out in uh California as well and that's Armored Saint a band that's been around for 40 years uh, kind of an interesting addition I think that they certainly deserve a place in there but Armored Saint the next uh, the next member of the uh, heralded Metal Hall of Fame
1: yeah I can't can't argue with that choice uh, another band that uh, I would not know pretty much anything by if it wasn't for them playing at Prague Power and diving into their material and ending up becoming Something of a fan, actually. Um, Yeah,
0: we got to cover an Armored St. album. I've I've had them on my list for a while, and I always pass up that opportunity for something else. But in due time, in due time, I think we will definitely select one of their albums. And uh, I grabbed tickets to a show that was recently announced because Tesseract has announced a U.S. tour. Uh, It's funny. I spoke to Knops about this as well, but they are kicking off a a tour, Charlotte, North Carolina, October 5th doing a run of shows in the Southeast coming to New York city on October 13th. I look forward to that. And then a bunch of shows in Canada and then they go out West and uh, you know, the, the show, the tour ends, uh, back where it started at, you know, kind of in the, in the central, uh, Southern us with shows in Atlanta and Nashville on November 13th. So they're doing a run of shows for about five weeks I've never seen them live. Um, I know that they ha- are, have new material coming out. There's an album called The War of Being. It's due out on September 15th. So obviously I kind of expect they play a bunch of the stuff from that album on this tour. Should be interesting. I know a lot of prog fans are happy to, to see Tesseract live. They, uh, Needless to say, Daniel Tompkins, um, always releasing new material, always kind of can expect something interesting from him. So we'll see how the new album is.
1: Any uh, openers on that tour that you're Not,
0: aware of? There was one band that was announced as an opener. Uh, I believe the band is called Alluvial, A-L-L-U-V-I-A-L. I would be lying if I said I've heard anything from them.
1: Okay, just curious.
0: Yeah, so that that is that is Tesseract. Uh, we thank everyone for listening. If you like what you hear, give us a like and a follow. Come Consider joining our Patreon and uh, tune in next week for a very exclusive interview with uh prog powers milton Mendonca, and if you are not familiar with the festival or have no idea about it or you know or from out of the country and don't plan on attending listen to the episode anyway i think you get a real insight into what goes through the mind of a promoter or booker when they're putting something like this on
1: yeah yeah i I enjoyed it quite a bit um i think what we went almost a full hour right with milton so um it's a pretty meaty uh interview but uh we hadn't had an interview in a while, so it was good to st- talk to somebody. Um, and uh, yeah, Milton's definitely an interesting guy to uh, to chat with. So, uh, I yeah, I definitely uh, echo those sentiments. Uh, I, I I wholeheartedly uh, um, endorse this interview and hope that uh, everybody checks it out. And it, it I think, it kind of makes for a nice um, a, a nice uh, side. I was going to say side piece, but uh, I don't think that's <laughs> I don't think that's the right terminology.
0: Don't think we can say that; we may get canceled. But um, anyway, the it should yeah. be a very interesting episode. We'll come back the following week with the Vola discography, and then we have our request lined up for uh, the first week in August, and then it'll be back to your regularly scheduled format. I think for the most part through August uh, yeah. and September, and we'll, and and we'll
1: definitely do a uh, a prog Power uh, episode after the festival's over like we did last year kind of uh, recapping everything and stuff so um, that's definitely in the uh, plans as well so well said
0: feel better my friend I will catch you soon
1: alright take care